All right, um, today I've got a message for you, as you can see here, it's titled Holy Fear. We're diving right in. <laughs> uh, as we were going over this, obviously we've been preparing for the last couple Sundays, preparing for the vision that we're casting before you guys. And God's just given me a couple different words at different times. I've shared with the staff over the past couple weeks, a word that I heard that I'll share at the end of this message that just really challenged me and I encouraged our staff with it. And I really felt like when, when Pastor Kurt asked me to share this morning, I really felt like it was a message I was supposed to share with the rest of you guys too. So it might seem like we're just totally shifting focus from the last couple weeks, but I promise you this actually comes from that place of just uh, expecting God to do something miraculous in this season. Before we get started, do you mind if we just pray over God's word this morning? I really felt like we were supposed to do this. If you have your Bibles with you, just put them in your hands. Um, I know we don't normally do this, but I just felt pretty strong. If you don't have your Bibles, if you're using your phone for an app, that's fine too. But God, I just want to thank you for your word. Oh God, your word is a beautiful thing. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, every single day of our lives, this word has been unchanging. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you that it can teach us about you, God. It can draw us closer to you. Lord, your word can reveal aspects of you, God, that are just the most beautiful thing that we've ever encountered. God, but your word can also cut through to the deepest part of us and challenge us and correct us where we need to be corrected. And God, I just pray, Lord, as we study your word today, Lord, that we would just be overcome by your presence, Lord. As, as beautiful as your presence was during worship, God, I pray that your, your presence would be a beautiful thing as we study your word. God, we saw in Nehemiah, Lord, when they read from the book of the law and the people just wept. I pray that your word would bring us to tears this morning as we encounter your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your word made flesh and your son, Jesus. We give you the glory this morning. Amen. Thank you, guys. So, like I said, I'm, I'm preaching a message on, on the fear of the Lord today. God's had Leslie and I just in this place of reverence for him and this place we keep coming back to the, the fear of the Lord. We listen to different uh, pastors in our lives through podcasts and different things. And it just seems like over the past, I don't know, last year, we've heard message after message about the fear of the Lord and how important it is. And it's just been a place that God's been bringing us back to. And a few months ago, I was uh, doing my early morning reading and I was reading through the book of Hosea. And I came across Hosea 13, 6. And it said, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. And then they forgot me. And I was challenged on that verse, guys. I kept trying to read and I just kept going back. <laughs> kept trying to move on and I kept going back. So I pulled out my pen and I underlined that verse. And I was praying over it and I was asking the Lord, okay, you're trying to say something to me. I don't know what's going on here. I feel like I'm not forgetting you, Lord. This doesn't happen all the time, but there, there's, I feel like overall I'm a pretty thankful person. I realize that every good gift comes from our Father, and I, I try to give him praise for that. But literally the night before this, as I was going, getting ready for bed, everybody else was asleep, and I was just going through the house. I was making sure doors were locked and things like that. And I just was overcome with this thankfulness for what God's done in our life. And I was just thanking him for our children and thanking him for our marriage and thanking him for the, the blessings that he's given us. And so I went to bed in the spirit of thankfulness and then I woke up and God wouldn't let me get past this verse about forgetting him. And I was like, man, what is going on? But I didn't feel convicted. There are times where the word will convict you and it'll, it'll make you aware of something that may be a blind spot in your life. But I didn't feel like that was the case, but I just couldn't get past it. But I, I finished the rest of my reading and my time with the Lord. And I went upstairs to get ready. This was a Wednesday morning. Wednesday is when we have staff meeting. 
And uh, I walk upstairs to get ready and Leslie had just gotten out of the shower. She was doing her hair and her makeup and stuff. And she's been in this season where uh, it, when she's getting out of the shower, she, she spends time with the Lord every morning, but then as, she gets, as she's getting ready, she'll just have her Bible app open and have that wonderful British voice reading through scripture, right? And she listens to what, four or five chapters a day, I think. And so I open the door right after this and I hear this wonderful British voice reading Judges 8:33 through 34. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the bells. They set up Belbereth as their God and did not remember the Lord their God, who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Did not remember the Lord their God. <laughs> all right, Lord, <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? And so as I was getting ready, I was just praying over this, and I felt this release. I knew, I knew again that I just, this particular word wasn't something that was just correcting me. But I felt like God said, I'm preparing to pour my blessing out upon City Lights Church. Do not forget me. Do not become satisfied and proud and forget me. And I was thinking about this building. Again, it's his building. It's not our building. Pastor Kurt shared the story of how we got into this building. It's been time after time again that God has just opened the door and provided the way. We have a Thursday night prayer that happens over there. You guys should definitely come. It's amazing. A few weeks ago, yeah, here we go. <laughs> a few weeks ago in prayer, I felt like the Lord, I, I heard his voice say to me, this will be a house that ministers to me. And again, it was just this confirmation to me that if, this, if God's saying this will be a house that's ministering to him, then he's going to give us the house. He's gonna get us in the doors, amen? But we can't forget him. And how do we do that? And that's what I was asking the Lord. How do we not forget you, Lord? And again, he brought me back to fear me. Fear the Lord. If you have a healthy fear of the Lord, you are not gonna forget him because every good thing that comes, you're gonna turn around and take that crown and place it back at his feet and give him praise for it and glory for it. He's gonna provide for us and we cannot forget him. We must live in a place of fear of the Lord. Do you know that the book of Proverbs mentions, instructs us to fear the Lord 15 times? Many people will read a chapter from Proverbs every day because there's 31 chapters on the longest months. There's 31 days, right? So if I, I'm sure if I ask for a show of hands, I'm not gonna do this, but many of you probably will say, yes, as part of my reading, I read the book of Proverbs. I read the chapter of the day. So it's almost like, if you do the math, it's almost like God's reminding us every other day. <laughs> fear me, fear the Lord. That's how important it is. Leslie spoke on the fear of the Lord back in August. If you haven't heard her message, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to it. I say this, and I'm not just trying to uh, score brownie points with her, but she's a much better teacher than I am. <laughs> so I'd very, very much encourage you to go back and listen to her message. It was very powerful, great message on the fear of the Lord. One of the things that she talked about, she kind of began her message talking about the seven spirits of God listed in Revelation and clarified in Isaiah for us these spirits that would descend upon Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm gonna read through these really quick. Isaiah 11, two through three, the seven spirits. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And I love verse three. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus Christ, God himself, delights in the fear of the Lord. Church, we must delight in the fear of the Lord. 
This is how we will not become satisfied. This is how we will not become proud because every good gift we will turn back and place at his feet because we fear him. Now I'm not talking about, and some of you, especially if you're new to the faith, you might be like, what does that mean? I I thought God was a good God. Why am I supposed to fear him? Not the kind of fear that is like a, a scary, you know, Halloween type fear, right? It's a holy fear. It's placing in reverence. It's standing in reverence and in awe of our heavenly father. Actually, as I was thinking about this this morning, I've gone over this message many times, but this just came to me. We just got through the Halloween season and our neighborhood in Johnstown is actually known for their Halloween decorations. Like I mentioned it to my dentist the other day. Uh, I was like, yeah, she's like, oh, the holidays are coming. People will start to set up. And I said, you know, actually our neighborhood, they set up for Halloween. And she goes, do you live here? I was like, yeah, you know it. (laughs) It's pretty ridiculous. This year, I I don't think I've ever had this happen before, but this year I had three or four different people as they were driving through our neighborhood and come to our house, they'd be like, man, what is up with your neighborhood? This stuff is like scary. It's evil, it's fearful. And it just hit me this morning as I was thinking about the fear of the Lord. Satan likes to take holy things and twist them. And I really do believe that God gave us and instilled in us a holy fear for his name. And Satan has twisted that fear to what all of us think of when we hear the word fear. But that is not what God intended. Psalm 86.10 says, For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. As I was preparing for this message, I knew right away when Pastor Kurt asked me to share, I knew what I wanted to share because this had just been a word that had been on my heart, been challenging me. But I actually, I actually went like three different ways with this message. There were two different times that I deleted like a page and a half to two pages of notes because I was heading one way and I felt like the Lord said, that's not where I'm taking you. And when I say deleted, I copied and pasted them into another document in case I had to come back to them. <laughs> but <laughs> but, they, but I, I just felt like God was saying, no, that's not where we're supposed to go. And, and obviously this is where we end up today. But one of those points, one of the directions I was taking was really just to dive into the word of God, to talk about the importance of knowing his word and loving his word. Because as we know, as we read his word, as we know his word, we know him. And when we know him, we can fear him. Jesus Christ knew the father better than anybody else. And he delighted in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We have to know God's word. Psalm 119, 46 through 48 says, I will speak of your statutes before kings and I will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love and I meditate on your decrees. I love that. Parker, if you want to write a worship song, it already rhymes. I lift up my hands to your commands, right? If I were to ask you guys, what is it that you love about God? I'm sure many of us would answer, I love his his awesome power. I love how good he is. I love that he first loved us. I love that he saved me out out of my sin. But how many of us, if I asked, what do you love about God? How many of you would say, I love his laws. <laughs> I lift my hands to his commands. That's how much I love his commands and his laws. But that's where David was at. And no wonder his son Solomon would write 15 times in 31 Proverbs, fear the Lord, because he saw his father fearing the Lord. He saw his father loving the laws of God. 
And you can't love laws that you don't know. So we have to spend time in his word. For me, as I spent time in his word, especially in my teens and my, tw- my early 20s, I'm a little bit older than that now. <laughs> Just a little bit. I loved the gospels. <laughs> I'd read them over and over again. I loved reading about Jesus Christ walking this earth. I loved the way that he taught his disciples, the way that he loved his disciples and loved others. I loved the way that he showed sacrificial leadership. Can you imagine walking this earth for three years with Jesus Christ as your mentor, your teacher, and your friend? Now, I understand that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, but I'm talking about literally like waking up and seeing the physical Jesus. And the things that he would teach you, the way that he would open scripture up to you, and he would say, hey, guess what? All your life you've been taught this. This is about me. And he would challenge you, and he would challenge others. I, that's, I just loved that when I would read the Gospels. As I've gotten older, I still love the Gospels. But I think, especially right now, the season I'm in, I love reading the Old Testament. And I love reading Revelation. You guys probably know that about me because almost every time I'm up here, I'll share something from the book of Revelation. But I love reading the Old Testament to find Christ concealed. When you're really taking the time and you're reading through that and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a perfect picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh, God's laying this out for us. There'll be times that God will just put it on my heart as I'm reading through the same set of books that our Jewish friends will read through that are their scripture. God, open their eyes. Open their eyes, God, to the revelation of Jesus Christ, their Messiah. But again, three years walking on this earth with Jesus, the, his disciple John, he got to experience that, right? And I love John because he, he says of himself, the disciple that Jesus loved. He describes himself that way. And one of those times is during the Last Supper when, when he says he's leaning back against the chest of Jesus and he's, the disciple whom Jesus loved leans back and looks up and asks him these questions. And you just see this really intimate picture of this relationship between the the flesh embodied God in Jesus Christ and one of his disciples and how close they were and how much they loved each other. Could you imagine that level of closeness to Jesus? An understanding of his love that was so great that as he was being persecuted and ridiculed and beaten and bloodied, you stuck by his side. And as he was put up on a cross for display, you, you were there comforting his mother. You didn't leave him. And you watched him as he, he looked out over these people that were ridiculing him and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you got to hear those words when he breathed his last. He said, it is finished. And you got to feel the earthquake and see the earth go dark. That kind of love, that kind of intimacy, that kind of friendship might mean that you kind of take it for granted almost, that you're just super comfortable, that you lose that fear because he's your friend. John would go on to be, they would try to boil him alive in oil for what he professed about Jesus Christ, but it wouldn't kill him. And so they cast him off to the island of Patmos and he, he gets this revelation. Again, revelation, right? Told you I love this book. 
And this part, I love this, as he's, he's getting this revelation. I want to read this from my actual Bible, not from my notes. Revelation 1, 12 through 18. This disciple who knew Jesus so well, he literally was, in Jesus' final hours, he literally was laying back against his chest. It says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were, like, uh, were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, John, who knew him so well, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. John, who knew him so well, fell at his feet as though dead in fear of the Lord when he saw him in his risen glory. I was, I was captivated by that, that section of scripture there as I was studying. And I, so I was going back and I was reading the, the original Greek and I thought, I'm gonna have something amazing here to share with you guys. And so I looked up that word as though dead and it meant dead. Blow your mind, right? <laughs> Reveal so much more. So I kept kind of looking through the different, the different phrases there. And this one stood out to me, I fell. It's the word pipto. And there's a lot of different uh, definitions of this word, you know, meanings of this word. But, but what stood out to me here, it says to descend from an erect to prostrate position, to prostrate oneself, used of suppliants and persons rendering homage or worship to one. And as I was looking that again, it still didn't really connect with me that that was of any great importance. But then it said that this, this word is used 14 times. So I clicked on that and it showed the verses. And I started reading through the verses. And of the 14 times that this phrase for falling is used, 12 of them are when someone encounters the presence of the Lord. One of those being Saul on the road to Damascus. It speaks of falling down in worship. When they heard the voice of the Lord, they would fall down in worship. We need to be a church that will fall down in the presence of the Lord. That will respond to his presence by saying, God, you are holy. You are worthy. I must become less so that you can become more. By the way, guys, the gospels were written, if you look at them, they're kind of written, I'm like focusing on like four different portraits of Jesus. Matthew wrote his gospel to prove beyond any doubt that Jesus was the Messiah. Mark emphasized the servant leadership. Luke dealt with the humanity of Christ, revealing Jesus as the son of man. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, concerned himself with proving that Jesus was God this disciple who would get the revelation of Christ that would be taken up to heaven and see all these things about the end of time and would see the angels bowing at the feet of his savior. 
He was concerned, even when writing his gospel, to prove that Jesus is God. He understood that. He had a fear of the Lord. Can I share two stories from my life where I was really overcome with the spirit of the fear of the Lord? The first one, I actually have to go way back, give a little bit of context here. When I was about two years old, I had a brother named Jason. And when he was a couple weeks old, my mom walked in to get him out of his crib and he wasn't breathing. And I was not young enough to remember this, so I don't have a whole lot of trauma around the death of my brother. My parents would talk about it a little bit from time to time growing up. And somewhere in one of the stories, I recall my mom saying that around that time, she had prayed a prayer, God break me. And so in my mind, I correlated this prayer, God break me with the death of my brother. And not in a way of God being horrible or evil or vengeful or trying to prove anything to my mother. But here's what I know happened. My mom and dad would often talk about their childhood and growing up. My mom grew up Catholic. She knew of the Lord, but she did not have a personal relationship with them. My dad grew up spiritual. He grew up searching. He had encounters with Jesus when he was, when he was younger. There was a, a church that would send buses out into the neighborhood and pick up kids and bring them to church. And so he had, he had encounters with Jesus but neither one of them knew Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And I don't know when this happened, but I can tell you for as long as I remember, my parents have known Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So when I heard that prayer break me and I, I somehow tagged it with the death of my brother, in my mind, really, and in my heart, it was really this understanding of when you trust God, he will use everything for his good even something as horrible as the death of a son, he can turn that around and bring you into relationship with him because he's that good of a father. But it was a prayer that scared me to death. So Leslie and I had been married for about six years and we didn't have a very good marriage. She shared this before, it's wonderful now. But it wasn't very good. And if we were both honest, I'd probably tell you that we both probably wanted out of it. She's not, a, she, it's, just, it's not news to her if I say that I wanted out of it at that point. It wasn't very good. We had Austin, Evan, and Dylan. Michaela wasn't born yet. We loved our kids. It wasn't that every moment was bad, but we, we did fight a lot. And when we weren't fighting, we were pretty much just roommates. We had young kids and we, you know, we're, we're young. We weren't making a whole lot of money. We're trying to do what we can to, to be able to be home with our kids. And so we worked opposite shifts. So I'd work days at a company and then my wife worked nights. So we, and on top of that, we weren't really seeing each other very much. And I remember one night I was sitting in bed <clears throat> and I just had this moment where just everything just hit me. And I was like, God, I need you to be number one in my life. Above everything else, I know the only solution to this, this discontentness in my heart 
is that you have to be number one. I remember getting down on my hands and knees. We had a pretty small bedroom. The bed took up most of the room. But I got on my knees next to the bed. And I prayed a prayer that scared me to death. I said, God, I know you're good. I believe it. And you know that when these words come out of my mouth, you know what it means. It means I trust you with anything. It means if you have to take my kids, you can take my kids. It means if you have to take my wife, you can take my wife. If you have to take my whole life, you can take my whole life. But God, break me. In that moment, guys, I was living in a place of complete fear of the Lord. I wanted nothing but him. I could see his holiness and I needed that in my life. And the next almost a year of my life just got worse and worse. Leslie and I continued to just do worse and worse. It was like we were disconnecting on every level. This marriage that up to that point, I would tell you I didn't really want and I wanted out of, something in my heart changed. And I started having this hunger for, for a marriage as God describes it in his word, where we loved each other. And that love was an example of Christ's love for his church. And I wasn't perfect. Leslie, will, she'll shake her head yes to this. I was not perfect for that next season. I still made a ton of mistakes, but my heart started to change. And I, I had moments where late at night after the kids would go to bed, I'd be spending time in God's word and I'd, I'd write out letters to Leslie because I, I didn't want to fight anymore. And I'd try to explain where I was at in my heart and, and what I wanted and what I thought our marriage could be and what I, who I saw her in Christ. And it just kept getting worse and worse. Until a moment when, Leslie doesn't really remember this, but I was walking by her bedroom and she had this book I think it was Beth Moore, but I might be wrong here. Something to the effect of when good people do bad things. And I remember, because our marriage wasn't very good, I was like, what does she think I've done? Like, this is just more ammunition for sure. <laughs> but I can remember this very clearly. There was a day where Leslie took all the kids outside. I was sitting on the couch, and a couple minutes later, she comes back in and tells me, with tears in her eyes that she loves me and that she had been unfaithful. And I was broken. I was mad. I can remember the moment she walked in. I can remember her sharing this with me. I can't remember a whole lot immediately following. It was pretty traumatic. But I remember I was mad, really mad. And I'm, I'm sure we argued and fought a bit. And I left. And I, I was pretty much in shock and I didn't know what to do and I reached out to a friend of mine that was a good friend of ours, their family was a good friend of ours, we had done Bible studies together but I hadn't seen him in probably a year plus but I knew he was a pretty calm person and I needed someone that wasn't going to fuel the fire in that moment <laughs> so I called him and I said hey can I, can I have coffee with you? He's like oh yeah I'm sure sometime this week, I said no, tonight like I need to have coffee with you now and he's a good friend, so he made it happen. And as I'm driving up there, and I think I've shared this part with you guys before, but as I'm driving up there, I'm, I'm in shock. My mind's not thinking it's running all over the place. My emotions are sad and mad and sad and mad. But something rises up inside of me from my spirit. 
And as I'm driving down there, I start to just thank God for everything that he's done good in my life. I start thanking him for the moments in our marriage where we weren't fighting. Going back as, as early as our wedding day, I'm like, okay, let's start thinking of some good, good times. That was good. Let's thank God for that. I know your presence was there, God. I thank you for that. I thank you for our children. I thank you for Austin, Evan, and Dylan. Again, Michaela wasn't born yet, which is a whole nother story of God's faithfulness and goodness in our life, by the way. But I, this rises up in me, and I often look back at this, and I think, I don't, literally, I don't know how I reacted that way. It wasn't me. That reaction was a gift from God <laughs> that I have now thanked him for. That's another thing I'm thankful for, that somewhere deep inside of me, there was something that I didn't even know. As Pastor Kurt has said the last couple of weeks, we're not about building people or about building buildings. We're about building people who are bigger on the inside than their circumstances. That was a moment where that happened for me. And I'm not bragging. I don't know how I did it. It was a gift from God. But it all stemmed from this moment of getting on my knees and saying, God, I fear you above all else. And I'm willing to pray a prayer that scares me to death. God, break me. I wanna fast forward now to this last year. God woke me up one morning, I think it was like 4.35 in the morning. And I just had this song on my heart. And I think Rob may have even read from, from the verse, talked about ascribing unto the Lord, the glory do his name. And I started kind of singing the song in my head. I was laying in bed. I didn't want to get up yet. I was hoping I'd fall back asleep. And it just kept rising up. So I said, okay, I'm just going to listen to some worship music. So I got my AirPods and I put them in and I started listening to that song. Probably listened to it four or five times in a row. And then I just let it go to the next song and continue on. Somewhere in that worship set, the presence of the Lord filled our bedroom. Probably the strongest I've ever experienced it in my life. And I'm laying in bed and I'm trying to be quiet. I don't want to wake up Leslie. I try to be honoring of her when she sleeps. But I just start ugly crying. <laughs> like I'm shaking. You remember this? And she immediately sits up and says, Are you okay? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I couldn't talk. I just look at her and I'm, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and she just kind of looks at me like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know what's going on here. So she gets up and leaves so I can have some time with the Lord. And I still couldn't get out of bed. I'm just sitting there weeping. And finally, I have the strength to get up, but I'm pacing back and forth and I'm praising the Lord. And the song comes on about praising him from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. And it just wrecks me again. And somewhere in there, I cry out, God, let me see your face. If I could just see your face, I could live in this moment forever. And I don't know if this is where God was at or not, but this is the feeling I had. I had this moment where I felt like God was like, you wanna see my face? I'll show you my face. And guys, I piptoed. <laughs> right? I fell. In that moment, I was down on the ground, completely laid out. And I was like, no, 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 God, I'm sorry I asked. If I see your face, I will die. You are too holy. 
And I had this moment of just picturing myself amongst the angels who are casting their crowns at their feet. And I just literally laying on the ground and taking these crowns off my head. I'm saying, God, I, I place this crown of my marriage that you resurrected from the dead at your feet because you are worthy because it was only you. And I place the crown of Austin and Evan and Dylan and Michaela and everything you've done good in my life, I lay it at your feet because you are worthy and I love you. I don't think I've ever felt the fear of the Lord that strong. It was the most terrifying and most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. Now, why do I share these stories with you? Because I'm, I'm hoping it can kind of take this fear of the Lord idea and, and contextualize it a little bit. But more, I, I want to encourage you and I, I can tell you something I know 150% to be the truth. When you're in a place like that, there is absolutely no forgetting the goodness of God. You cannot be satisfied. You are hungry for more and more and more and terrified as he's pouring it in. You are thankful. You ascribe everything good that's come of your life and even the trials, you can see God's faithfulness in it. And so you start pouring those crowns at his feet. Thank you for being faithful in these moments where I was going through something I didn't have the strength to go through. I'm gonna close with this. I was listening to a, a message a few months ago and I shared this with our pastoral staff, just a, a section of it, that the speaker gave a prophetic word and he said, he believes we're coming into a season where the spirit of the fear of the Lord is coming into houses. And then he read from Revelation 14, six and seven says, then I saw another angel flying in midair, mid and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. After this section, there's two more angels who declare some things, and then the great harvest comes. But before that great harvest, you have an angel who proclaims over the earth, fear God. It says he shouted it. Guys, my challenge to you today from that, that word that God gave us about not forgetting him, not becoming satisfied, is can we be a house that fears the Lord? Can we be a house that can respond in all earnestly when, when the angel says, fear God, we can say, we do. We lift our hands to his commands. Because <laughs> I, I promise you that if that's the place that we live in, we will not forget him. As we come into this blessing of this new building and, and this provision that God's giving us, as he moves upon your hearts to give so generously as we saw, we won't be in there and be like, oh, look what we built with our money in our hands. We'll literally take all of that and we'll say, God, this is all for your glory. Everything, every penny that came in, every penny that you moved upon our hearts to give was a gift from you in the first place. It was your provision and your faithfulness in our lives. And this building is your faithfulness. And every Sunday when we come in and we don't have to reset up the sound system and we don't have to set up kids check-in every week, 
It won't become just a place of work or just doing ministry. It'll be a place where we really are ministering unto the Lord and we're honored and we're humbled that we get to come in and love him and, and worship together and have sweet moments of worship like we did this morning. But I, I believe there'll also be moments just as in Nehemiah, I think chapter eight, where we will weep over his word, where the presence will be so strong during the teaching that people will be laying down, falling on their knees in their face and just saying, God, you're good. Your word is good. Your law is beautiful. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for being so good. We thank you, Lord, for being such a just God, such a holy God, Lord, as we sang right before we moved into the time of message, God, we were singing about your holiness, that the angels cry out holy and the whole earth, all of creation cries out holy. You are the only one, Lord, who is holy enough to elicit that kind of response from all of creation. And we thank you for that, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just put on our hearts, move us to a place, God, where we live in a holy fear. God, where we are just standing in awe of your power and your majesty and your might and your love and your goodness. Move us to a place, God, where every good thing we receive, our first inclination, our first response is to lay it at your feet as a crown to say you are good. You are worthy. You are true. We, we join with all of creation in saying, you are good. And God, let this be a house that when your angel declares forth, fear God, we can say we do. Give us a love, God, for your word. The kind of love you've given me, God, just renewed in me this last year. where we wake up desiring it. God, we go to bed thinking about it. We smile when we hear those light pages turning because we know that we're gonna encounter you in your word. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your goodness. Amen.